What's up, guys? Welcome to the Drunk Tank. That was terrifying. <laughs> that was great. I did like the Take Your Lumps reference. Take though. Your Lumps. I think that's been my signature on the website ever since that podcast. Yeah, man. That's that's your new thing. So uh, we should go ahead and warn everyone today. So Gus is out, and uh, and Griffin, who usually does the podcast, is also out. So uh, I'm I'm behind the, the helm. I'm steering the ship today. You should probably tell people who you are. I'm Jack, for those of you who have never listen to anything i've done before <laughs> and, and the other person joining us today is i am uh brandon otherwise known as c team yeah <laughs> is that yeah. your new nickname yeah to me c team it's a little terrifying don't worry I'm bernie, a- bernie burns is here to hold down the fort yeah and we might have another guest a little bit later if he ever gets off the cell phone Holm sat here while we we're all waiting to start the podcast matt's sitting here on his cell phone gabbing to joel who is also away on another project it's crazy month of February for there, production here at, or at Rich Teeth. There's like three people in the office right now, and I think they're all in this room. Like if UPS shows up, they're just going to be wandering the halls looking for us. I think I saw a tumbleweed in our parking lot. <laughs> it's weird. Usually it's completely full. Man, who's, who hasn't been opening the gate lately? I mean, has anyone else, has anyone else bugged by that? This is a good question. So in front of our office building, we have a two-part iron gate where you can just slide it from the middle. You have to do it manually. You can't. There's no button to hit. You have to get out of your car and push it. There's been discussion about automating it, but if it we automate it during the day, then UPS can't get in, and we get a lot of boxes here for some reason. You know, it'll just open in the morning. They they have the technology. It's been invented. It, it's like magic. Well, we so clearly Brandon's already on the defensive. I guess we can figure out who yeah, doesn't. Open no, 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 no. I I do open the gate all the way. I know who doesn't, but I will defend him to the death because the gate is fucking annoying. <laughs> it's, it's, it's horrid. It takes all of ten seconds. You to push. never open or close it. I, I did this morning. Ever. I opened the okay, other half one. this morning. Okay, and is that, I the, first, it, I is it that the first time you've done it this month? It, no, it is a problem though, Jack. In that, if you're one of the people who does open the gate then that means you're in the cycle where you're always the person who yeah. opens or closes the gate. Yeah, that's And I do, I do want to point out that... You have the biggest vehicle here too, Bernie, so you're the one who has to worry about that. Well, Mighty Truck has these mirrors on the side that are just ridiculous. I can't get through anything that I normally can fit through with, with my old truck. And so, yeah, what happens is someone will go to the gate and they will open it just far enough to get their car through, and that's it. They won't open it one inch further. No. That happened once since Jeff sent that really annoyed email about that same exact thing. Just once. A, just yeah, an email. Once. <laughs> this company has definitely got to the point where people don't want to take the time to do anything. It would. It definitely took Jeff more time to write the email than it would to get out <laughs> of his car and open the gate a little further for himself to get in. But everyone just wants to fire off the stupid email. No, and I've, I've watched the recycling bins sit out there for days and days and days. Why you know, didn't you move it? I did. I did. So you watched it for days and days and didn't bring it in? Yeah. So okay, <laughs> okay, let me, let me, let me okay. back up a second. Let me ask you okay. this. You thought the recycling bin is sitting out here. Yes. Who did you get upset with? Uh, I don't know. I think Brandon, Brandon, I think. Why? So now it's Brandon's job. Brandon was the one who was the one fighting for the recycling bins. Actually, no. You know what? Or who was that? That was Hullum. And what you're talking about now, we should be clear, when we moved in here, I'm a big fan of a dumpster. You put the shit in the dumpster, the truck comes once a week or (laughs) twice a week, they take the dumpster away, and that's it. Yeah. But the problem was we couldn't get a recycling dumpster. And so Hullum said, 
we have to have recycling here. We have to have it. It's important. So that meant we had to have these roly-poly little bins that yeah. we roll out to the curb every damn week. Matt's never rolled a single one out. <laughs> ever. Ever. So I, you're, you're telling me I should be mad at Matt, not anyone You else. should be mad at yourself for not wanting to help ever. That's what, what you should be mad at. Okay, how many how Oh, many I had to move a recycle bin once. Oh. How many tours have you given in the last month? One? Hmm? How yeah, many, how you get to interact with fans. That's not a bad thing. How, how I'd many, love to give more How tours. many times Why? have you signed so, for UPS? So you're equating, <laughs> you're equating the interface with our loving fans that support us so much with taking out the trash. No, to I'm, you, those, I'm, are, those are the same. I'm way. equating it with additional work. Stuff that isn't typically on – it wasn't on my you know job resume or whatever, but it's or whatever I have to do. But I do it anyway. I, I would say you should you know maybe throw on a couple yourself. Do a couple extra things around the office, you know. I don't understand what anybody's saying. I don't know what a job <laughs> resume is. I don't know what's happening. So you're upset with him. Description. Well, I could job equal, description. I could equally say to you, Brandon, you're upset about having to take in the recycling bins when the earth gives you so much and provides you with such bounty. That's and true. And you're upset about taking in the recycling bins? I'm not upset. Oh, no, 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 no. I have no problem with taking them out and bringing them back in or opening the gate. But don't bitch about how the work is done. If you want it done a different way, then do it. That's the thing. It's not done. That's the problem. <laughs> Here, here's, here's what I have a problem with. And this, is, this goes down to the can-do spirit of this company is that when somebody sees something that is not the way that they want it to be – it's, it always is that thought process in their head of, oh, so-and-so screwed this up. It's not like it's not like I'm supposed the, – the cans are sitting out there. I'm not supposed to bring the cans. Someone else is supposed to do it, and they didn't do it. So, but, Jack, you brought that recycle bin in. Did you put it out there? No. Were you the one who wheeled it out? I did not. So you're complaining about doing half the work. Yes. Okay. I'm just, you know, I'm just making sure that I'm, I'm understanding but you But the, the, problem, the problem with that, Bernie, is that you know once you do it once, people expect you to do it from then on. <laughs> but you're that guy is what I'm saying. You're the guy – and you're absolutely no. right. Once you do something once, everyone goes, that's what, that's yeah, what Jack does. Yeah. Jack's going to give a exactly. tour of the place today. Yeah. You know, it is true. It yeah. is. And people just clam up and they kind of like look at the recycling bin and go, if I just don't stare directly at it, I won't be expected to touch it. And I will say the, the one time that Brandon had a tour because I was busy, he came to me looking looking for me to give the tour. He brought the guy to my office like, oh, hey, can you give this guy a tour? You're so good <laughs> at it, though. <laughs> okay. You're amazing. Man, I, I think maybe it's this chair. Like I'm sitting in Gus's chair and I'm, I want to argue with everyone now. It's pretty great. I think like he's got like his spirit here in this area. It makes me hate everything. So the Oscars are coming up, huh? <laughs> Speaking of stuff that we hate. I don't hate the Oscars. You I hate mean, most of the movies that are nominated. What do you mean for Best Picture nominated? Mm-hmm. Really, and I hate I hate all the hype behind the bad ones or the average ones. What are the I, average I, ones? I don't understand why everybody is on the King's Speech nuts. I that movie, really that movie. movie was okay. It was a good movie. It was about a guy who gives a speech in a recording booth. That's what the movie's about. It's about a king who gives a speech during just before they go to war, or just before World War II. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie that, is that, set during yeah, the most yeah. exciting time in world history, in one of the most exciting places. And the climax is a guy talking in a recording booth. A guy talking to the entire country yes. while they're listening to him about to go to war. And, de- and defeating his own personal demons of stuttering and stammering. Which are totally within his own head. That like moment, a small closed room. That moment <laughs> might have worked if the obstacle in the beginning of the movie, the catalyst, wasn't him giving a speech in front of thousands of people. Because that's definitely a scarier thought than being in a recording booth with a microphone. So it's like, what?! This obstacle that you set up in the beginning of the movie is n- way harder than what your character has to accomplish. Giving a, giving a wartime speech to an entire nation is easier stare- than giving a speech to a thousand people. Staring at a microphone is a lot different than staring in front of a thousand people that are just looking at you, listening to you. Jack, new feature on the drunk tank right now. Improv. 
Okay. Role playing. I'm Brandon Farmahini, Brandon Farmahini, Hollywood producer. Hi, Brandon Farmahini. (laughs) (laughs) Hollywood producer. I'm going to tell a very funny story about that. Why I can't pronounce Brandon's last name as soon as I'm done with Farmahini. What? In fact, that might be funnier than what I originally was going to do. Brandon, the first time I ever interacted with Brandon in any way, Uh he sent me an email because Brandon was running the television station where Matt and I went to college, and we were part of the television station getting started. You created that, right? No, no. I wouldn't say that I created it. There were were guys who had the idea for the TV station. I was there for big milestones of creating, but I was not even a television student. Okay. but I was there at the time and, and helped with that process. Cool little bit about there real quick. Uh, Paul Leonard actually created a UTTV station, and he was a producer on Battlestar Galactica. There you go. Nice there little bit go. of trivia. Small world. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> since we were talking about Battlestar Galactica in any way. <laughs> if, if he'd worked on King's Speech, that would have been perfect. So Brandon sends me this email because he was raising money for a new antenna. They were trying to do something that I don't remember what it was. Yeah. So Brandon sends me this email, and then we were exchanging emails back and forth, and – I sent an email to him as Brandon Farnahini, not Farm. Okay. Farn with an N. Yeah. And so then he writes me back, and I see in his signature that it's Brandon Farmahini. And I was like, oh, man, I misspelled this guy's name. I'm such a jackass. And I always feel bad about that because people constantly misspell Bernie because I spell it in a stupid way because it's a nickname. Yeah. Spell it with a U. Well, I went back, and I, was, I felt so bad about that because I don't like making mistakes like that. I went back and looked at my previous emails. He had his name misspelled in his own email. <laughs> And it wasn't just like in his signature, like he was typing fast. It was in from Brandon Farnahini. And he goes, yeah, sometimes I just make that mistake. No, 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 no. I did not say that. I did say that. When I set up my computer initially, I had a typo. And then I kept going through every single piece of software and changing it manually. And it kept changing it back. It was really annoying. And that's not something you see. Like I can't see the automatic um, name generation when I'm sending an email. And it just sends out your name incorrectly. It sends it out. It's not my fault. I would smash that computer with a hammer if yeah. that's the case. So we have, a, we have an additional person in the podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Matt. So I want to play uh, Brandon Farnahini, Hollywood producer here. Hi, Brandon Farnahini, Hollywood So I want producer. to give you script notes on King's Speech. Okay. I've been, I've been working on this movie for a long time, Brandon Farnahini. Right. I saw the ending, and it was very historically accurate where he made a speech in a room, but that's kind of boring. I'm figuring this is the most exciting time in history. What if we do this? What if the Luftwaffe is is bombing England uh-huh. and the king runs out to the square and makes a speech and the bombs decide to turn around in midair and hit the planes <laughs> instead and then they blow up and then crash? You don't think he gave a speech after that? That was during the war? You think that was the only no, speech he ever gave in his in the, life? Well, in the conclusion, it talks about he gave other speeches during yeah, the war. Make the movie about those speeches. No, it's like London was being bombed it's daily. It's the king's speech, not the king's speeches. It's one. It's it's his most important one he's ever done. What do you think he made the rest of those speeches like on horseback while like stabbing Germans in the <laughs> face? They were probably made in the same goddamn room. I would love that movie. Matt Brandon is saying that, that he hated the movie because the ending was unexciting. That because they were in a room. They were in a room just talking. And because at the beginning of the movie, he was in front of. The, I mean, like anyone who's done any amount of public speaking, even if you're just in front of thirty people, it's hard to be in front of three thousand people or however many people were there. Imagine, that's, imagine that's, if he had insane. to say his own last name properly. That would be almost <laughs> impossible. <laughs> All right, what other, what other movies do we get? What, what other movies? All right, you, you mean run down the list here? All right, so for best picture, we have Black Swan. I didn't like Black Swan. I thought it should have been about black frogs. <laughs> uh, we also have The Fighter. <laughs> Uh, Inception. I didn't see The Fighter, but I saw all the other Mark Wahlberg movies that have exactly the same plot. Uh, <laughs> Invincible. Nope. Rockstar. Nope. 
Double Rockstar. What was oh, I don't remember. Well, he's made like seven movies that yeah. were exactly the same. Downtrodden guy has a chance of greatness, doesn't make it for whatever reason, but then there's a, re- a big, you know, redeeming ending. I mean, The Fighter is basically Planet of the Apes 2. I'm going to shut you guys all up. The Fighter is a great it is, movie. I'm not, it is I, I haven't seen it, so I don't know whether no. it's a great movie or not, but he does make the same movies over and over again. Oh, that's again, true. Yeah, but that's that's independent of The Fighter. And also, why don't you take it as a Christian Bale movie, because Christian Bale is in The Fighter, and he is fucking awesome. Yeah. He is, he's really good. The, mo- the movie's good. The movie the movie's really great, and it also is, and I... I, I also but isn't this the same movie as The Machinist for Christian no. Bale? No. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Why? Because he got that He looks the same, doesn't he? Well, how does he do that? I mean, that is an amazing skill yeah, to be seen. able to lose. I mean, he loses and gains like 100 pounds. Someone, someone, on, someone on Reddit took images from like like six yeah. or seven movies. Yeah. And it was like Machinist, machinist to the Dark Knight or whatever the first I like, the, I like that you wanted to pronounce Machinist as the machinimaist. The machinimaist. Well, it was American Psycho before that. Yeah. So, I mean, he was already built for that. Lost yeah. the weight for the machinist and then yeah. put the weight back on for Batman. And I think they're starting to film the new Batman right now. Yeah. I mean, so it's crazy. Like, I mean, He's going to die. His body's got to hate him, man. I'm sure Brandon would have pronounced it with I, N, the machinist, the machinist. Um, Here we go. Here's the image that I'm showing Matt right now. This will be in the linked up. That's the man- crazy. The many that's crazy. bodies of Christian Bale. I'll just read here so you can get a feel for how much he's changed. 2002, he was in Reign of Fire, which was not a bad movie. Oh, yeah, that was a good movie. Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey was in where the world is taken over by dragons, thanks to Christian Bale. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, He weighed 184 pounds in 2002. Then he was in The Machinist in uh, 2004. He weighed 121 pounds. Wow. What I read from articles and interviews that he did – he ate nothing but an apple and a cup of coffee a day. Jesus. That's what he did to lose that much weight to get to 121 pounds. Then when he played uh, Batman in Batman Begins, he weighed 190 pounds. Now, it's 190 pounds of solid muscle. Yeah. You see the picture of the guy in here. Then he was in some movie called Rescue Dawn. Anybody? No. Anybody? Is that a Werner Herzog movie? It looks like a war movie. I think it ended yeah. in a small room, so yeah. it was pretty unexciting. <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> that was in 2006. He weighed 135 pounds for that. Then Dark Knight, he did in 2008, weighed 190 pounds again. Then The Fighter, he weighed 145 pounds. And, but he looks like a strung out crack oh, yeah. in The Fighter. It's amazing. And the best thing they could ever do for Christian Bale is the person that he played, since it's a biographical film, it's actually based on a real fighter. And they showed an interview with the character that Christian Bale played at the end of the movie during the credits. Uh, and that was you. You nailed it. I mean, yeah, that guy was yeah. he was as, as annoying in the credits as Christian Bale was the entire movie. Yeah, yeah. It's only the performance of the teeth, really. It's I mean, really uh, sold it. Yeah, it's, it's risky to do gross. that though, because what was the movie we saw with the the Linklater train robbing movie? And oh, Newton Boys. Newton Boys. Oh, yeah, God, I remember that. Yeah, so we sat through all the Newton Boys, and at the end, in the credits, they had interviews with uh, or historians actually talking about the actual yeah. Newton Boys and stories of what they did. It was like a Tonight Show appearance or something. Is that what it was? I want to say that's what it was. Anyway, and it was way more interesting than the rest of the movie. Yeah, I mean, way. Well, way well, the more other thing was interesting that we saw with the filmmakers, like it was like a special screening, and they mentioned that. One of the characters in the movie, I think it was like Vincent D'Onofrio's character, right. had a bunch of really interesting character traits. Like he would kind of like salivate and bark like a dog occasionally and just like <laughs> weird stuff. Like the real guy that the character was based on. But they didn't do any of that stuff in the movie. And the movie was like really dry. And it's like it could have used some of that extra yeah. character stuff. But And they, they mentioned it later like they thought it was, it was interesting. But they didn't think it was interesting enough to put in the movie for some reason. Hmm. You, you would actually hate it because honestly the complaints that you had, Brandon, about – King's speech were exactly what I said about Newton Boys is you're going to see a train 
robbing movie, but then you find out they're just blowing up safes in banks. Yeah. Is what they're doing. And they were like in back rooms yeah. just blowing up a safe, and it was not that big a deal. Yeah. It was like the most business-like dry way to rob a bank or, you know, any like amount of large money that I've ever seen. I now have to look up Skeet Ulrich. Skeet Ulrich. I forgot he was in that movie. Skeet Ulrich. He, he was in the Scream movie, right? That's where he got to hey, start. You know who else was in that movie? It was uh, Newton Bliss. Uh, oh, uh, it was McConaughey, right? Uh, Joel Heyman. Really? Joel's, I'm pretty sure Joel is in a, a background scene in a we movie. Need, we need to have a Joel Heyman movie marathon. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's been, he was in that Sim 1 movie with Al Pacino, right? Uh, yeah, he's got a pretty good uh, like, uh, on-screen when, Winona Ryder yells at him or something, right? That's I, right, I, yeah. I haven't seen it. He's sitting uh, – Joel is in a scene with Winona Ryder and uh, Al Pacino while they're yelling at each other, and Joel's standing between the two of them yelling at each other. Pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> All right, should we move What's down? What's the next on the list? Okay, we've got uh, Inception. Inception. I, you know, I thought Inception was great, and I feel like it's been so long since it came out that always hinders a movie's chances yeah. for winning. Usually the movies that win seem to come out like – during the holiday the time, or fall, yeah, yeah, or exactly right September before wrong. the turn of the year. Yeah, but uh, I mean, Inception's a really great movie. It's really thought provoking and really fun. It had a lot of cool visuals. Yeah, for all for all the memes that came out of it, it's still a damn good movie. You know, it would be kind of an interesting statistic to see what is the movie that won Best Picture that was released the earliest in the year. Yeah, and made it all the way through relevancy to the following year to be nominated for Best Picture and then win. They had the issue a few years ago. Cinderella Man was released in March, and no one saw it, but it was a fantastic movie. And when Russell Crowe's a boxer, you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember that that movie had a uh, money-back guarantee. Like, it came out at a time when, uh, like, theater revenue was declining, I guess, in the, right before they said, oh, wait, let's make 3D movies again and put those, like, that, that'll be something new. They... Uh, Theater revenues were declining, and they had this policy of come see Cinderella Man in the theater, and uh, you'll like it or your money back. And I don't, I don't want the same like policy of like buying a used car and <laughs> going to see a movie. You it know? does seem strange, right? It also though is, is strange to me that of all the products in the world, you cannot get your money back for not liking a movie. Like if I spend ten bucks and two hours of my life, I. It's, it's totally okay that I hated it. It's like that yeah. was terrible. It's like yeah. it would never occur to me. I need to go get my money back because Scream was Scream Four was the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. It's weird because it's like a subjective thing, you know. It's like I didn't like the movie, so I have my money back. You know, it se- seems weird in a way. But if you go to a restaurant and you order something, it's like this tastes terrible, just to me. You know, I want yeah. my money back. It's like they usually give you your money back or, like, strike it off the bill or whatever, you know? You know, the only time I've ever sent a meal back was with you, and I did it just the other day. Was that the only time ever? I've never sent a meal back. What did you send back? I got a, uh, I got a <coughs> chicken fajita taco at a local Mexican restaurant, and mm. it, it tasted like they fried it in Clorox. It really did. And it, they said they said it was – it's a place where they just grill over a wood-burning stove. Yeah. And uh, a nice place. We eat there all the time. And uh, I've never had a bad meal there, but they said they must have just had a really green piece of wood. And, of course, my, me, I'm like, wow, this tastes like chemicals and it, might actually be dangerous for me. Matt, try this. Yeah. <laughs> but he's the guy who's like, I think this milk might have gone bad. Take a big swig of it and find <laughs> out for me. All right. So moving down the list. So, so speaking of the whole re- uh, release later, you know, typically shows up higher. Yeah. Uh, the Kids Are All Right, which came out this summer, I think, right? Yeah. Um, that's that's the Julianne <laughs> Moore. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, did anybody see the movie? No. Yeah, I, I did see it. It was, it was oh, pretty yeah? good, yeah. That's Mark Ruffalo, the new Hulk. That, that makes no sense. That he's the new Hulk? Uh, or that they're making a Hulk, another Hulk movie. <laughs> they're making the third Hulk Why are they doing this? A, it's a like person. the first guy we got to play it wasn't milk toast enough, you know? So they went down to 
Edward Norton. You think Eric Banya is milk toast? Banna? Yeah, he's Banna? like more so than like some of the other like you know. What the hell does milk movie? toast mean? You don't know what milk toast? No, means? is that like a fish you, you, you guys used to say when you were young? We try to misspell it. It's the thing we used to eat. But it's like they want to make. I don't think they want to make the the Hulk like. So sensitive or something? It's really weird that what they're doing with that. I thought I thought franchise. the I think the Incredible Hulk, which is the second one, was actually a pretty good movie. The Edward Norton one. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think the the work like it was more like the TV show, or it was you know more about him on the run type thing. But <laughs> the Wikipedia entry for milk toast is not helping Matt Nice case here. No, a milk toast is a weak, ineffectual, or bland person. It is derived from the character Casper Milk Toast from the 1924 <laughs> comic strip, <laughs> The Timid Soul. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we join the adventures of Casper Milktoast, now in progress. <laughs> so Brandon might be right. That might be a dated On tonight's episode, he reads a speech in a small room. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Today's broadcast is sponsored by the letter N. <laughs> so did anyone see Kids Are Alright? I, I did. It was really good. It was incredibly original. I don't think I've ever seen a movie that was about that exact thing. I don't know. It's about two... A lesbian couple, each one had a child with the same sperm donor, and the kids turn 18, or at least one of them does, and they look up the sperm donor. Donor. And that's Mark Mark Ruffalo. Okay. And, and you kind of expect, like, these cliche reactions, but they, you're, it's really surprising. It's, 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 a, it's a good movie. Is there a slow it's motion a, dancing scene at one point? Probably not a movie you take the kids to, but... Why not? They're all right. The kids are all right. A lot of, le- <laughs> a, a lot of lezzing and... Uh, <laughs> and uh, you kids with your vibes today. Some gay porn, surprisingly, you really don't expect a gay porn. But, uh, no one they knows. throw Who it does? out there. Really, the normal theatrical no one that, yeah, that in the Spanish they cut around it. <laughs> pop up on you. I had a, a gay porn uh, movie <laughs> movie trap one time when I was in college. I had a roommate who was gay, and uh, he, I would always use his uh, TV and VCR because he. Was never around. He was always on trips. He was actually trying to get into a uh, movie Walt- with Al Pacino yes. and Winona Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to get into. Uh, he wanted to be a tap dancer at Walt Disney World. Oh, nice! And every morning at five, he would wake up and tap dance. Oh, so that was great for me. Was this a dorm or is this like a this is a dorm? Oh. This is a dorm. I could and, not uh, create anything more gay than that. I know. I know. I want to be a tap dancer and, at Walt Disney World. And. Uh, so I would always use his uh, his TV and VCR, and, like, one time I just came home and, like, turned on the TV, and I guess the tape was still playing, and it was something called Bat Dude. <laughs> it was, like, a, a Batman and Robin-themed gay porn. Wow. Anyway, that's all I have to say about it. It was, like, the most horrific. And an two, hour and a half seconds. later. <laughs> yeah, really. Most <laughs> like two seconds. <laughs> now, do, do you guys watch Tosh.0? Oh? Have you guys ever seen that show? No? Okay. They, they did something pretty funny where it was uh, Tosh and, like, four other male writers were wearing sweatpants standing on a table. They all took a Viagra and then turned on gay porn, and they were trying to see who would go first. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty neat, and they just basically all held their own. Not, like, in, everyone held it in for 90 minutes for the entire tape, and then, so, that's that's an interesting idea and, and a terrifying idea. There was oh. a story a few years ago that came out about the Playboy Bunny, and she's describing what it was like to have you know, the group sex with Hugh Hefner and it involved Viagra and gay porn. Google it. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just look up Viagra yeah, gay, gay porn, porn. <laughs> and search. That's right. I just post that on Twitter. There so you go. Everybody knows the story. 
The uh, have you noticed the increase in spam bots on Twitter? That if yes. you mention a product or if you mention any kind of service, you get destroyed by spam bots now. Mm. Yeah, a lot of times when you're trash talking stuff, like I talk crap about IKEA, and then they started following me and said, "Thanks for the <laughs> call out." Really? That's how IKEA talks. Yeah. <laughs> It's strange. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what you're saying about it. Is that your, Swe- is that it. your Swedish accent? Yeah, <laughs> I just imagine the guy who's in charge of running the Twitter account at Ikea is like, where the fuck is the umlaut? <laughs> where, where the hell is that O with the slash through it? Hit option. Then, um, all right. Uh, so next on our list here, we have King Speech, which we talked about already. Uh, <laughs> and Brandon loves. I think he's going to vote for that one. Actors overrated, too. What? Jeffrey Rush, be supportive. Jeffrey Rush, be a little annoyed. Oh, that's amazing. You're not going to win this battle, Brandon. Have I you know. seen Shine? We, just for the record, all of us in this room now have seen King's Speech. Yes. Well, that's amazing. I'm actually on a podcast with people who participate in culture. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, we all liked King's Speech except for Brandon. Actually, yeah. everyone in the world loved, loved King's Speech except for me. So it's like I, I acknowledge that I'm wrong in some way that I can't understand. Because <laughs> I literally seem to be the only person who just don't thought you it was make that acknowledgement every single yeah. day. I guess I'm wrong, but I don't know why. <laughs> kind of love that one up there, but all right. What's the next one? All list? right, uh, the next one was 127 hours. James Franco kicking ass. Uh, I missed it. I haven't seen that. I re- really want to see that movie. I just missed it. Did you not see it at Buttonamathon? No, no, I saw. I've seen it. I've okay, seen it. I, I, I really liked it. What movie? 127 James, hours. James Franco, the cliff guy who cut his own arm off. Spoiler. So I haven't I haven't seen 127 hours, but I did see uh, the three second promo clip of James Franco on Guiding Light or whatever soap <laughs> opera that he was on, and I say he wins, dude. James just, Franco, just for that, he, just just for going out and doing wacky stuff. Did he, uh, he was on Daily Show? I think the day after, the day he got nominated for the Oscar for for uh, Best Actor actually. And um, he said basically he got a call saying, "Hey, you got nominated for Best Actor." He said, "All, all right, cool, thanks." And then he went to class. Yeah, like, I, like what? I, I, I read the other day that he's now teaching a class I where he's so. like, uh, like film editing with James Franco on James Franco or something, <laughs> where like students take his movies or short films that he's done and like re-edit them. That's awesome. It's pretty pretty. And, and he's hosting the Oscars this year too with yeah. uh, Anne Hathaway, right? So. Is that, is that what it was? Did yeah. we not yeah. read one time the Wikipedia entry on James Franco? Yeah, that, I remember you guys talked about that on the podcast once. Right, okay. Sometimes it can be hard for me to figure out what we talked on the podcast and what Gus and Jeff and I just talk about while avoiding work. Yeah, and so many times we'll be talking to them, like, oh, we, let's talk about this. This is podcast talk, and then we just forget it, and then never talk about it. Or the journals. Hey, speaking of journal, oh, wait, let's finish our conversation. We have a cool thing that happened on the oh, yeah. British Community oh, Journals yeah, that this is week. Cool. That is cool. All right, so uh, moving down the list, social network. Fantastic movie. movie. Fantastic yeah. movie. That didn't, I, I that, didn't, okay. that didn't have the, quite the impact on me that it had on everybody else. So yeah. Take the King's Speech route. Speech route. I am taking the King's <laughs> Speech route. By the way, you did an impression for like a week of the King's Speech before I saw the movie. And I couldn't wait because I couldn't wait for the guy to talk like your impression. And then he didn't. So I like your I don't impression. Even Churchill, was it? You were going. It was the Wormtail guy as Churchill, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's Churchill. Oh, is that who it was? That, that's the problem with like English movies now. It's like you just all you do is spot Harry Potter actors. Yeah, there's three yeah. Harry Potter actors in uh, King's Speech. Oh, stop it! At least three, yeah. 
But um, did, I, I, did you see the rap video that someone cut with King's Speech? No. It's when he, you know, it's when he puts on the headphones and <laughs> talks, and someone like redub it with of him rapping. It's, it's actually pretty funny. It's like it's a pretty good rap too. So I'll make I, sure to link it. I agree with Jack on a lot of things, but the links that he sends me via AIM are like fifty percent. <laughs> and but no, I mean seriously, I agree with you on a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. But it's like I don't match up with you in that silly online world. Okay. Although I do, we do like the same pictures of cats. I will say yeah. that. Yeah. That 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 rap video didn't really do anything for me at all. I like I like I the know. idea. It's it's pretty clever, and it was well it was well done, like well executed. I would say. When do you think the first lolcat was? Like, who was the person who made the first lolcat? When was, was cheeseburger? No, that was just a popular one. Um, um, oh, isn't it like just? I mean, if we really want to go back, isn't it like hanging hang in your kitty? Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, that's a good point. Or what, what uh, or, do, or do you mind with the cat with the leg up, looking at itself? Or I hate Mondays. I hate Mondays, yeah. yeah Garfield. It, was, it was in the late Garfield. 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> Garfield. It was right after the invention of cats. <laughs> <laughs> so it was around the pharaohs. No, there's, you never heard – okay, you, you understand when he says, hang in there, baby, Friday's coming. You know what that means, right? No. Really? Really? You no. don't know what that means. God, like, that doesn't no. conjure any image in your head. Nope. You've never seen the poster of the cat hanging on the limb of the tree, and it says, hang in there, baby, Friday's coming? Baby, wow, that's amazing! I don't even know the phrase "Friday is coming." I just, I just know "hang in there." And then, uh, then also the, the one that people change that says "oh shit," <laughs> it was like the cat hanging. Don't compare me to Jack. I mean, he's like 27, but in spirit, he's like 45. What? All right, I'm 29. For I guess record. if that poster has been on the Nintendo, this podcast seems to be all about the difference in ages between. The, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, Brandon. Brandon likes to turn him being dumb into us being old. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find the, the, the classic image of the kitten hanging. They might have blocked it. The internet didn't exist at that time. <laughs> that picture's made a lot of money, I'm sure. Yeah. It was like, it was in those, uh, it was always that poster that you would find in the, whatever it was in the, in school when they'd give us those sheets where we'd order books. Do you remember that? Scholastic. Scholastic. Was Scholastic that would do that? Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever do that stuff, Raiden? Oh, yeah. And they, 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 they fill out the mm-hmm. form. They have those big cases that open up. And you buy your Clifford books. I would buy Garfield. I would buy Garfield. You yeah. buy Garfield, huh? Yeah, Garfield. I think Garfield's on our, like, our band list. Too, too sarcastic for school. <laughs> you, were, you were in Georgia, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I remember, I remember buying Farside from those. That image means nothing to you, of a little orange kitten hanging on a rope. No, it's so cute. That was my Facebook profile image for a long time. Was it really? <laughs> yeah. I've had one Facebook image, profile image, and ever since I've had my Facebook account, it's been damn near a decade now, and I've had the exact same image. It looks like you have the, uh, the one where we did the Bloody Apple gag. No, 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 no. That's on, that's on our site. Yeah. No, the, the one on Facebook is the one with me and my cat and our sweaters. It was like our Christmas oh, photo. Oh, right. I remember that. I took that. Like Olin Mills looking Yeah, I, I think I took that photo in like 2003, and I put that up as my Facebook image, and I've never changed it. All right, what's what's next on our list? All right, Jack? moving down the list. Uh, we've got – so we, we said social network. We kind of glazed over it, though. So any – Yeah, you know, I, uh, Carrie I, was really big in that movie and lent me the uh, – special feature stuff to watch. Yeah. And the special feature stuff was was pretty cool. Oh, really? I mean, I don't know if everyone who doesn't pay attention to, you know, Hollywood special effects stuff noticed this or cared, but there was a whole thing where they had the twins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and dude. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler, but, you know, they had the, the twins and... Not they, much of a spoiler. Well, they, the guy's name is Army Hammer. Army, the, the one guy. The, the actor. Yeah. So they cast two guys, right? Two different guys, not related at all, just two different actors. And then at some point during the production, they they said, "Okay, well your face is never going to be seen. We're digitally go- digitally going to replace your face with the other actor's face." <laughs> and so one guy like appears in the movie, like acts in the movie the entire time, and then you never see his face. Like they just use his 
his body. That's wild. It was completely seamless. It was completely seamless. Yeah. It was un- unbelievable. Uh, we, we had a, there was a screening in Austin where they actually, it was uh, Aaron Sorkin, Jesse Eisenberg, and Army Hammer were there afterwards. And up until the point where he walked in the theater, I thought it was two guys. I thought it was twins. Yeah. It was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, it might yeah. be one of the best visual, visual effects because you just never, you never, never notice, notice it. it. You never yeah. think about it. I mean, why would you think about it? You I know. I know. I would think about it if I was the other actor. Yeah. I would think about it all the time. Yeah. I bet that guy like goes and hangs out with David Prowse all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have their own club. On the other side of the, the fence, though, like uh, the the miniature they used was awful. What miniature? It was when they were in uh, England, I think. Oh, no, that, that, was, that was Tilt Shift. That wasn't miniature. That was Tilt Shift photography. That was the one the one issue I had with that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I remember the Tilt Shift sequence now. Yeah. It's, it's when they're doing the, the boat race in England mm-hmm. where the two brothers are. The, yeah, the two brothers are. They're at and, the regatta. And they had, for, for no reason at all, they use that weird Tilt Shift thing. Like, know, other than, like, the, the DP was like, hey, look, I've got this yeah. cool lens. Well, there's a whole thing of using Tilt Shift lenses for landscape photography yeah. mm-hmm. and skyline photography where you try to make stuff look like models. Yeah. And I guess that's what they were doing, but I don't who knows why. Yeah. If you want to see some good tilt shift videos and what it is is there's a there's a certain kind of lens you can buy and go into it and be very boring for this podcast, but it's a tilt shift lens which you can get these crazy focal lengths. And you can shoot something to where everything, a real world looks like a miniature. It makes yeah. things look shallow somehow. Like the depth looks compressed. It looks it, yeah, it makes the, the a real-world focal length look like it would if everything was shot the wrong way as a miniature, essentially. So then it gives you the illusion that the real world is in miniature. If you ever want to see a lot of tilt-shift stuff, I have no idea why. It's huge on Vimeo. Hmm. So if you go to Vimeo and look up tilt-shift, you can see lots of video that people make. And yeah. people used to just do photography tilt-shift, but then because of DSLRs, with now being able to shoot video, now suddenly there's a huge explosion of tilt-shift video. Yeah. Are we, are we talking about the same shot? It's the, the first overhead looks like a helicopter shot of the race? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that's all real. Here, let me show you another tilt-shift video here and on Vimeo, and then you can take a look at it and tell me if you think that's a miniature. Is it the beach one? Uh, I don't know what I'm just, I just pulled up tilt-shift on, okay. on Vimeo. Yeah, the one I've seen, it was like a beach where they had a helicopter. Like, well, they were doing tests, like pulling people out of the water with a helicopter. Buffering, buffering. And that was uh, really, really crazy. I saw one with the Ferris wheel. Yeah. That looked totally like a model. It's just yeah, great it's, with the Ferris so wheel, you know, you, like, it just has that aesthetic of like looking like it's made out of toothpicks or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like a toy almost. And it's an issue that comes up when you're shooting features because mm-hmm. you'll sometimes be shooting years before the movie comes out. You know, often at least. 12 to 18 months before the movie comes out. That is about the same time frame where Tilt Shift suddenly took off and was a big deal. Right. Maybe the DP thought, oh, everyone's going to be doing Tilt Shift stuff. We'll be the first people in theatrical to do Tilt Shift, and now nobody gives a shit about Tilt yeah. Shift. Yeah. And, and clearly it didn't work if Brandon thought it was a model. That's interesting. It, it weirdly thought it was a bad model. That's what I find interesting. Yeah. Brandon, he, oop, am I saying It was that? the first time I feel like I, I saw something like that, and I was like, that doesn't look real. Yeah. That's really interesting you say that, because that would have been awesome animation, like just stop-motion animation of them doing everything like that. You know, moving the boats and all that. Yeah, but that 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 shot bugged me too. Like I, that, I remember it catching me off guard. And I was like, "What? That, that why? Like it doesn't? No point for it all. It exists nowhere else in the movie." But other than that, I thought the movie was fantastic. I even thought uh, what's Justin Timberlake was pretty damn good in that movie. I thought he was pretty good. I thought Jesse Eisenberg was the best thing about that movie. Although the the friend who's now Spider Man, we should talk about that. Andrew too. Garfield. Yeah, um, <laughs> the original All Cat. Uh, we should. I mean, I think I think that Jesse Eisenberg was. The standout there, I liked him 
more than the movie overall, so I hope he wins Best Actor, but I don't really care about Social Network winning Best Picture, okay. if that makes sense. Man, Mark Zuckerberg is awkward in a completely different way in real life. <laughs> like, Jesse Eisenberg made him look cool, and he's just like, you know, he's too cool to fit in, like, social rules and how people should interact with each other. But if you actually watch Mark Zuckerberg, awkward. You're talking about the Saturday Night Live thing? In yeah. general, if you yeah. just watch him talk. Yeah, the Saturday Night Live thing was pretty rough. All right, uh, let's move down the list. Toy Story 3, fantastic pretty good yeah you know i mean i definitely feel like your impression of toy story 3 you're gonna come down on one side or the other based on whether or not you have kids i I don't have kids and i loved it no i know oh you're saying you're saying for people who have kids it was like it was a an awkward movie to watch you sound like jeff now family well i mean keep in mind too like the people who toy story 1 came out what a decade before toy story 3 Probably so, yeah. more. I think it was 1995 is so, when I mean, Toy like, Story came out. I mean, yeah. I, w- I was younger. I wasn't crazy young, but I was pretty young when Toy Story 1 came out. And so I've kind of grown up with the movie. And it was kind of cool to yeah. see them, you know, like in the movie. The kid they made the grown kid up. grow up. Yeah. yeah. And it was really neat to see that and kind of relate to it. But, like, have you ever seen a an animated movie that was that intense? No, no. I, I mean, mean that I, was that was that was crazy. Yeah. What they did to those characters at the end. And it was, you know, impressive that they could evoke such – a visceral, such a real emotional response yeah. from pe- people just, you know, out of computer-animated characters. No, I mean, that's the you thing. Like, like, I have no problem admitting I cried mm-hmm. all three times I've seen that movie, and the third time was on an airplane. I think between, like... <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. That movie and Up, like, I've, I've felt, like, more pangs of, you know, anxiety and fear for the characters, more empathy for the characters... Than any live action movies I've seen in in quite a yeah. while, dude. Pixar you know? Pixar has that that like they know where that nerve is and they, they can do. just like push it and just Bernie, Bernie, what were your feelings on the movie? Well, it's actually the thing that I don't like about Pixar. I think Pixar's like smog the dragon from the Hobbit. You know, it's perfect except for that one little kink in the armor. To me, that's they they don't do the adult portions of the movie appropriately. I don't I don't think that's appropriate. Like we were talking yesterday, Brandon about Space Ghost Coast to Coast, mm-hmm. and you were talking about how it was the first time you saw somebody make something for kids, but that felt like adults could enjoy it as well. It was a weird crossover, and that kind of thing is really hard, and Pixar is the top of the line of what they do, but I still think Looney Tunes got that perfect, where it's goofy and stupid and you can watch it as a kid, but you can watch Looney Tunes as an adult and get something totally different from it. Whereas the Pixar stuff, it's just adult means fucking depressing. <laughs> And it's kid stuff doesn't need to be depressing. It really, really doesn't. And there's always a super dark moment in every Pixar movie. And this one in Toy Story 3 was ridiculously dark. Yeah. I mean, the suicide pact essentially is what it was. Mm-hmm. And I, honest to God, I still want to know what happened to Bo Peep. I'm freaked out <laughs> by that. I'm totally freaked out by what happened to Bo Peep. And they don't discuss it in any way. We're not going to talk about that. Very briefly. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to talk about what happened to Bo Peep. Did she get smashed, you know? Did the sheep kill her? But, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I would, I would argue that's not necessarily a Pixar thing. I mean, like, even, like, all the Disney movies have that element of just darkness to it. I mean, like, you know, think about, like, Lion King. The kid watches his dad get killed in front of him. Bambi? Bambi? True. I mean, Around the World in 80 Days. <laughs> what happened Stop in the Around the World in 80 Days? No one saw that movie. It's 180 Days. <laughs> how, 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 what, how, what did you say? <laughs> around the World in what? what 80 is, Days? What is it? What is it? Is that the name of the movie? <laughs> around the world in Fortnite. I don't even know. I'm making fun of him, but I'm not even sure it's 180 days. I'm pretty sure it's 180 days. Are you talking about the Jackie Chan version? Yeah, the Jackie Chan. Uh, version. No, it's 80 days. I stay corrected. Sorry. Yeah, fuck you guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't know. I think I mean, I, I like that there's like that darker 
element to it. It's not all you know peaches and cream. I, mean, I don't have kids, so I don't have to worry about that stuff. So no, it's, no, I just, I just. It, even as an adult, I don't want stuff mixed up like that. You know, it's I don't want. But it I don't it, want to go into enjoy something and then have these like unbelievably dark moments. But the dark moments make the lighter moments that much better. You have know, you guys like, seen the five second film with the Lion King? No, it's uh, these guys. They just edit down movies to five seconds, and it's just two different shots. The first one is Simba and his dad. He's like, "You love me, right?" His dad's like, "Yeah, we're gonna be together forever, right?" And then they cut to Mufasa falling and dying. And it's like the end. (laughs) By the way, I just want to point out that it's not five-second films. Five-second films are the guys who make five-second movies. What am I thinking of? Those are amazing. Movies in five seconds. Movies in five seconds might be. Are you you thinking of how it should have ended? No, no. There's a thing he's talking about that's like movies in five seconds. No, there's also a thing called how it should have ended. Nobody's talking about that but you. (laughs) (laughs) You're correcting me on your misconception. It's around the world in 127 hours. Come on. (laughs) It's around the world in five seconds <laughs> or less. Yeah, but five second films, I absolutely adore. You can get lost in that in that site. You the, know, ma- the magician one they have. Yeah. It's probably the funniest, grossest thing ever. Google five second films Twilight. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, ever. You people who really like that Twilight one really like that Twilight one. Every time I see five second films come up in like a forum discussion on Reddit or something like that, there's always somebody who will post that Twilight one they did, and I think. You either really like that one or don't like that one. And I just – I don't like that one. It's grotesque but insightful. Like it's a really good <laughs> critique on those movies. That's the subtitle to your autobiography, right? Grotesque but insightful. Yeah. By Brandon Farnahini. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. True Grit. True Grit. The thing that bugs me about True Grit – movie is great, but they nominated uh, what Jeff Bridges for Best Actor – Matt Damon for supporting actor, but the girl who is the main character of the movie was nominated for supporting actress. Is she on screen more than other? She's on screen. This happened the majority of the movie in a Coen Brothers movie, uh, Fargo. Uh, Frances McDormand. Frances McDormand won Best Actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, William H Macy was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but he had more screen time than she did. But she, she still feels like more of a main character to me. I think. But just in, her, in terms of how much time they were actually on screen. Yeah. But, the, I mean, in was, True Grit, the it girl, more his movie. The, it's the girl's story. It's her movie. And it's like, how can that be the supporting You know, you know how it, what it comes down to, I think, is the studio's lobby for specific actors to be nominated in specific categories. Yeah. And they just pick and choose, like, what they think, you know, where they think they can win. Hmm. How does the nomination process work? Do you submit as a studio, we want these actors nominated, that, or does it just come out of the academy? That's how it works for the Emmys. You know, they'll submit a specific episode for both actors and just, like, overall awards, like the best picture or best show or best editing. Right. So I, they, I, I imagine it's the same way. They also have, like, cuts, too. Like, I've heard of, like, oh, we made the round of 15. Yeah. I so I don't know how that happens. I don't know if they, yeah, if they have individual groups that do it. Like, the Visual Effects Society would get together and uh, – like nominate like a group of mm-hmm. you know pictures and those would get whittled down and then whittled down again and you end up with a three or four sometimes five but usually it's a small number of visual effects best visual effects nominees yeah. for best picture that and that's a very specific award i i'm guessing there's some kind of function like when the other ones for best actor and best picture that works the same kind of way yeah with producers and do do SAG, does sag get a vote on oscars like, I don't know. It's good are they in the academy? I don't know. Oh, I guess if Joel was here, we could ask. But um, so 127 hours. Oh, oh wait, no. What am I saying? Oh, True grit. True grit. True Sorry, grit. I looked at the wrong one. Anyone else? Any thoughts? Opinions? Yeah, I mean, I really liked it. I and I liked the Coen Brothers a lot. I thought the actress was tremendous. 
I thought Jeff Bridges was tremendous, but there was just one thing missing from that movie that it might be what Brandon was saying earlier. Small room. Yeah, but maybe it felt like it ended in a small room to me. (laughs) I mean, I really – something about the way that movie ended didn't leave me with any kind of feeling that, okay, this was a fantastic film. Yeah, Yeah. it it didn't seem to have a a build-up to the climax. I felt like – it was the end of the movie. You didn't realize it was the end of the movie. The other thing was the bad guy. I mean, you just have, like, these certain expectations when you see a Western because you're so used to seeing 80 other Westerns where you get to the bad guy and he's formidable. The bad guy in, in True Grit was just like a big putz. Absolutely. And then it made it made her experience and her search for vengeance seem less interesting because her dad was killed by some goofball instead of, like, this, you know, larger-than-life figure. I, and I think you're also actually – I think you're actually watering down your criticism a little bit because when I've said that about the movie, people said, well, that's just not the way this movie was. You're bringing your other expectations in. Within the scope of that movie, they set up that guy like that. The first scene where he's – you know, the father is killed and he's riding away, they shot that in a very – you know, grandiose way to set this guy up as a really bad villain, and and you felt that within the scope of the movie. And and Matt Damon's like, I've been hunting this guy for ten years, and it's like, well, Matt Damon sucks. Yeah, <laughs> you can't catch this dude. Yeah, it's like, a, and then you find out like the essentially the villain is like Mr. Magoo escaping at the last second. You know, sorry, yeah. Brandon, for the reference. We'll have to I, I send to a watch, history book. <laughs> I, I used to watch Mr. Magoo. Saw the live action movie too. Did oh, you really? God, I think so. I forgot there was, was a live, live action. Yeah. Movie. I think wasn't it Leslie Nielsen? Yes, wow. I think so. On the subject of of her, you know, being nominated, how long she was in the movie? Anthony Hopkins was nominated for Best Actor. How long do you think? How many minutes do you think he was in that? You know? Oh, in, in you're talking about Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, uh, it, it, it was something like seven minutes. It was something ridiculous. No, it was it was fifteen, and people have been nominated for for 15. less. Like someone was nominated for a, a seven minute. <laughs> Bernie, Bernie okay. sorry, sorry. I wanted to go stand up, but I almost took down the set. <laughs> it's okay, Bernie. Chairs are hard. It's weird that he would get nominated for Best Actor. I don't, I don't get that. Oh, well, this one makes sense. Uh, the record for fewest lines in a movie, but still winning an Oscar, is uh, for the miracle worker, Helen Keller. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just being a dick. No, it was, it's interesting. <laughs> that makes sense. I don't know if Wawa counts as a word. Or... What's next on our list? All right, next. Uh, so the last one is Winter's Bone, which I don't – has anyone seen that movie? I haven't. I did see it. You did? It's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of similar in a way to True Grit that you have this female character who's out on some kind of crusade. Um, she's looking for kind of like what happened to her father and the government's kind of collect her, uh, her house because, you know, he defaulted on the bail bonds. It's 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 not bad. All I know about that movie is you can't say the title around Carrie because <laughs> he just starts giggling uncontrollably. Well, it does sound a little bit like a movie that Matt actually watched in college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, so I have no opinion on that one. Anyone else? Well, no, no, unfortunately, I haven't seen it either. Yeah. So, it's, uh, it's pretty good, a little bit of an underwhelming third Do you guys act. feel at all like True Grit we should support because it's an Austin movie? Or at least yeah, made, made I, in our local area? I guess so. I feel like I should support True I, Grit because it's a Coen Brothers movie, and my personal track record with watching their movies is I walk out of the movie going, that was okay, and then Three months later, it's the best movie I've ever seen in my life. Almost every Coen Brothers movie has been that way to me. Yeah. Did you guys already talk about Old Jeff? Yeah, we, we brought <laughs> oh, okay. him up. Yeah, Old Jeff right. is in, in uh, True Grit. It's in the court scene. We should clarify now what we mean. A guy who played Jeff as an old man in one of our videos was in True Grit in a courtroom scene. We call him Old Jeff. Yeah, and he has a, he has a very distinct face, so it's very easy to spot him. And his, his face is huge on screen. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for those of you watching the movie, it's right when she walks into the courtroom looking for Rooster for the first time. It's like she makes it through the door and he's right there. Do we want to burn through the rest of the uh, like the other categories, like actor in a leading role, just run through the list and give opinions? No, why don't we all just go around, what, what should win Best Picture, Jack? Honestly, I mean, 
I'm going to have to lean. I mean, it's not going to happen. I would love to see Toy Story 3 win because I think that was the most emotionally engaging movie for me this year. But I think Social Network or King's Speech will win. What do you think should win, Brandon? I think Black Swan should win. I was into that movie from beginning to end, and uh, it was terrifying. It was the scariest experience I've had in a movie theater in a really long time. Let me just say, though, uh, Javier, what is his name? Javier Bardem. 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 Beautiful? Amazing. I really do hope he wins Best Actor. It was unbelievable. You've seen No Country for Old Men, right? Yes. Okay. He was the bad guy in No Country, and he was freaking amazing. Call it. I have not seen enough of the Best Picture movies to feel like, Really? I'm qualified. Yeah, I've seen so few of them this year. I saw eight, I'm gonna say, I saw eight of the ten before they even announced the nominations. I was very I was very happy with myself. I'm just going to say I want Inception to win just because I feel like movies like that never win. Like blockbuster movies have some kind of like, you know, they're, they're tainted somehow by the fact that they make a lot of money. That, that somehow commercial success means that they're, they're not really artistic accomplishments. Yeah. But I thought that movie was a a very real artistic accomplishment on a lot of different levels. It's a really interesting movie. It'd be cool to see a sci-fi movie win, too. You know? It Dark, would, yeah. Dark Knight should have been nominated a few years ago. That was ridiculous it wasn't. I think that's one of the reasons why they moved to 10, right? Just to try to include more commercially more. successful movies. Right. That way they were – maybe it's so that we can still honor the artistic ones and include ones that it was, yeah. hit on a higher level. It was to kill that headline every year that's like, I haven't seen any of these Best Picture nominees you know, and yeah, every yeah. single year is the same thing over and over. I also think uh, a movie that got left out was The Town. That was a really good movie. and uh, I don't know if it was I, Best Picture quality, but it was good. Well, I mean, you could probably say that at about six of the nominees That's in the true. Best Picture category. You know, I mean, if some of those other movies are going to be in there. I think that movie deserved to get some recognition. It just came out so long ago. Yeah. That's not on people's radar. We, I, we, we talked about it when we were nominating Drunk Tank's Best Picture of the Year, and I had seen it after we started to talk about it, and I didn't think it hit on the level of those other movies, for me at least. I, I watched it on Monday and then immediately watched Good Will Hunting afterward. It's like a <laughs> craving. And that movie's fantastic. I, I don't know how that movie didn't win Best Picture. I still don't understand why – two guys. I don't understand why Ben Affleck is not one of the biggest stars in Hollywood because he was for a while and then kind of fell off a little bit. I could watch that guy on screen, you know, all day. He's instantly believable to me. Like, uh, I don't know what it is about the guy, you well, know? He, he had a run of terrible movies where, like, he did, like, Gigi, Gigi and Daredevil and a few other really Daredevil bad ones. Daredevil was pretty bad. What was that Christmas movie with Charlize Theron? Or was that, was that him? Oh, that was Reindeer actually, not a, yeah, that was actually Reindeer. not a terrible movie. Was it? That was her introduction to Vin Diesel. But the, <laughs> the other guy, I don't understand why he's not a huge, like, a huge juggernaut, like, Schwarzenegger in the, in the 80s kind of star, is The Rock. I mean, he... Why is he making... He's going back to wrestling. Yeah, he gave up. Why is he making kids movies, man? I mean, The Rock is like... He's like such a perfect millennial star, you know? It's just... I don't know what the deal is. What was that that movie he did recently? Uh, Tooth Fairy? Tooth Fairy. No, 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 Revenge or something? Where it was like him being a badass. Revenge of the Tooth Fairy. Um, Yeah, what was that called? It came out... I I thought this would be a huge, and they kind of went right under the radar. I, I just don't know if people want that type of movie anymore. That 80s Schwarzenegger Stallone big movie. I don't yeah. know if they yeah, want that kind of star. Yeah. How much money did that movie make? Like That made a ton of money. Like 250 But I mean, like, that's yeah. kind of the attachment people had to those stars from the yeah. 80s. Like, I don't know if you could remake one of those guys now. I mean, I think the closest thing is that um, that angry British guy who's in the Expendables. Oh, uh, Jason Statham. He's pretty new. Did you see uh, yeah. a- Did you see the A-Team? He's pretty much the, the new A-Team movie. Kathleen, yeah. who plays Tex, is absolutely in, in love, love with, with that Jason Statham date. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, but, he's pretty much cornered the market but on the, those B-Action movies. If Hugh Jackman yeah. ever walks away from the Wolverine part, Jason Statham should pick it up. Hmm. He's actually more like Wolverine, I think, than than Hugh Jackman is. Because Hugh Jackman's nothing like Wolverine. He wears leather pants. 
And Jason Wolverine Statham doesn't like, wear leather pants. Jason Statham is like five foot four and you know covered in hair, like like, <laughs> like Wolverine is. He can probably heal wounds in two seconds too. All right, all right, Bernie, what, what do you think is gonna win? I, I I don't think it'll win, but I think I, all those movies I enjoyed the fighter the most. Okay. I think I really liked uh, I really liked True Grit, but I think Fighter was ahead of it. Do you think uh, Christian Bale should win Best Supporting Actor? I, mean, I, I think I think Christian Bale is the Robert De Niro of our generation. I just I think that guy is amazing, dude. American he's, Psycho he's amazing. was pretty spectacular. The body of work that that guy's putting together is is insane. It makes me want to go back and watch all the little movies that he's been in that I haven't seen. Does that mean mm-hmm. Christian Bale's going to get older and make really terrible comedy movies and ruin his entire career before that because he makes terrible comedy you movies? You can't ruin an entire career. Robert De Niro's performance still exists. He's making comedies now. What do you want Robert De Niro to do? You want him to play the old gangster now? Yeah. Yes. You know? I, want, I want to be. I want. I just want Goodfellas every year. You just want that's him to all, go away. That's like, all I want. I don't know. I, no, I, no more analyze that. <laughs> analyze that was really good. It just it just happened to start the trend of movies that he made. Like so, I guess Fockers. Jack's a huge Righteous Kill fan. What? You see, it? it was it was the De Niro Al Pacino crime movie. They're badasses. Oh, that was the yeah. He does move make movies oh. like the what is it? But I mean, it, he's tainted himself now. It's yeah. like I, I see that no, no, no. meet the Fockers character every time I see him on screen. It's well, like well, that, you've ruined your reputation. Too. Righteous Kill didn't suck because of Meet the Fockers. You know, a bad movie is a bad movie. I don't, I don't think it it matters what other comedy no, but, movies he's doing. But I'm saying even you know even if he made a good movie, it's like you know. It kind of it kind of ruins your your view on him. Those Schwarzenegger make hundreds of oh, millions. No, of no, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's bad, but Schwarzenegger made Junior. He made Kindergarten Cop. He made Did Schwarzenegger. No. <laughs> anyway, real quick before uh, we should probably start wrapping up, but uh, we were talking about how like you know the art house movies will you know win over a big picture thing. Yeah. Something similar happened to the Grammys. Where Arcade Fire, this sort of independent band, beat out Justin. Or no, no, not, not not that Justin Bieber lost Best New Artist to some solo bass player. Did you hear about this? Oh, is that what that yeah. was? Yeah, it was like some new soloist bass player, like stand-up bass player. And uh, the, all the Bieber fans like destroyed her yeah. Wikipedia page. And then Arcade Fire beat him out for best. Uh, I think uh, what best album of the year. Yeah. And everyone was like, who's Arcade Fire? This is stupid. How come Justin Bieber didn't win? And like, no. there's this huge outrage now. I thought it was a big deal because he beat Eminem. Wasn't that the thing? Instead of Hebe Bieber, I thought that's what people were. I, oh, no, I thought people were just talking because the guy from Arcade he? Fire has basically the same haircut as Justin Bieber, <laughs> so maybe that was the controversy. But someone made an, a website. I, you know uh, the thing about? So I, I was reading this about about how it's like, wow, this is crazy. This indie band, you know, beat out all these like uh, you know music establishment kind of more commercial acts. It's like I see Arcade Fire like all over the place. Well, you're also just in me. Austin. Well, so. they're on Saturday Live, and they're just like you know they're. I mean. They're not like a small unheard of band. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty popular. But they're, they're they also, on the radio all the time. It's, it's the first time ever a band that wasn't signed to a label won Best Album. That's kind of cool. That is cool. That is cool. I will. I will admit. I mean, I, I understand the outrage, and then the outrage at the outrage yeah. of, for the Bieber fans. I'll be honest. I know more Justin Bieber songs than I know Arcade Fire. Yeah. I mean, I would probably like Arcade Fire more if I listened to them. But they were even on Saturday Live at one point. Yeah. When uh, Rain Wilson hosted, I remember. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know anything about Arcade Fire. Yeah. But I do. I do know Justin Bieber songs. But I mean, like people like rip into Justin Bieber. I respect the kid. I don't like his music, but it's like for what he does. Like man, I kid. You know, he's what sixteen now and. He's he's got a lot of work under his belt. I, I, man, it's just that thing. You know, it's like the Twilight movies. People, people. If some, if a group of people like something a lot, there's another group of people that wants to tell them why they shouldn't like yeah. it. And I don't know. I don't know why people are like that. Especially people on the internet are like that. But they're they, that's just the way they are. My I stuff, don't my like stuff it. is cool. Your stuff sucks. Basically, is what it comes down. Arcade yeah. Fire didn't have a label. 
Nope. That's awesome. I mean, what you think? I mean, it's like $80 to put your album on iTunes, which is where most people are going to buy it anyway. And you can market yourself really well on Twitter. And It definitely feels more genuine when that happens in music. That's like, oh, here's some guys that got together. They made an album, and now they won a Grammy for it. Whereas whenever you hear about that happening, an independent film winning an Oscar, it's always like an independent film produced by the Weinsteins. Yeah. You know, yeah. or something. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like, that's not an independent movie, you know? Crash is not independent if it has... All name Sandra stars. Bullock and everybody in the movie, yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't feel the same way. I mean, it, Arcade Fire Suit feels like a couple dudes in a garage will just want a grand. <laughs> a lot of times it's just like small-time production and big-time distributor. I mean, so it's kind of hard to f- figure out what, what is an independent movie. Like, well, how do you yeah. find that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, like Clerks was an independent movie. And most of Kevin Smith's stuff technically is an independent movie. But, I mean, all that stuff got sold. I mean, they say oh, yeah, Rodriguez yeah, yeah. made seven – he made um, El Mariachi for $7,000 and then – Rodriguez. Sorry, sorry. Ro- Rodriguez made uh, El Mariachi for $7,000 and then when he sold it to a distributor, they spent another you know, $100,000 or some, some astronomical amount actually releasing the movie. So It was El Mariachi. Well, not the independent Del label in film is something that people try to hold on to. <laughs> I like the back and forth here. <laughs> Let's just see what, uh, what else Jack can correct him, Brandon. <laughs> But uh, the like Clerks, I definitely see as an independent film. It's not, it's not like Crash to me. If Clerks had won yeah. Best Picture, they'd be like, "Here's a dude who made a film for thirty thousand dollars." If you know uh, El Mariachi had won Best Picture, it'd be, it'd be that level. Yeah. But when then you get Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek in your movie, you know the next one, then it's like the independent thing doesn't matter. It's like it's enough when they produce Crash and it was an independent movie, and then they got all those stars to be in it. That's enough. You don't have to constantly farm the independent thing. You yeah. know, it's not. It's it's enough, you know. It's just it's it, there's a certain level at which it, it no longer matters that it's independent once all these big stars are on board. It doesn't have the same feeling as a garage band pumping yeah. out their own stuff. Yeah. Right. All right, well, let's start wrapping this up. Any any final words? Any comments? Do we want to say anything? Zach Anders on the the finale of the Oprah Show. Oh, uh, we're very excited about that. Uh, Jeff Griffin and I are going to be at uh, Armageddon Con. Is that what it's called? Armageddon Expo uh-huh. uh, in Sydney, mm-hmm. Australia, this weekend. That's awesome. So if you are an Australian person and you are listening to this <laughs> podcast. Or you just happen to be in Australia. You don't have to be right. an Australian person. That's right. Ride a shark down the street and uh, <laughs> come visit us at uh, the Kangaroo Punching Grounds or whatever they call the exhibit there. And then on March the 5th, Griffin and Jeff will be at Emerald City Comic Con. In Seattle. In the Halo Waypoint booth. Uh, so the- if you are an Emerald person and you would like to, I don't know. If, you, if you're going to see Oz, just follow the Olympic Road to them. But they will be in the Halo Waypoint booth, and it's not our booth, so we'll only be there for a very set amount of time. So if you want to visit uh, Griffin and Jeff, which you should want to, um, they've been on vacation with each other for now, what, a week and a half? So yeah, hopefully they're, they're, hopefully they'll still be married by the time you see them. <laughs> but uh, go see them uh, Saturday, March 5th in Seattle at Emerald City Comic Con. Then the following weekend, we will be at PAX East in Boston. I believe our panel is on Saturday, March 12th in the mid-afternoon, I think 2 or 3 o'clock. Man, I am tired already from just hearing about all this travel. Yeah. Like, it's like 2.30, I think. i got to go get on yeah. a plane to Australia like right now, by the way. And oh, yeah. pack, just so you know, Paxies for us, that's we gear all of our announcements slash trailers slash video stuff for our PAX appearances because PAX bookends are year nicely, PAX East and then PAX Prime in Seattle later in the year. We will be showing new Red versus Blue footage. At Paxi's. Dun, dun, dun. So, be have, there. Have uh, RTX tickets gone on sale? Are they nope. going on sale soon? No, they have not gone on sale. They will be going on sale soon. We've gotten lots and lots of emails for RTX. Um, we Just so everyone's clear, for the event that we're holding ourselves here in Austin in May, we will give you advance notice on when those tickets will go up for sale. It's not just going to be 
keep hitting refresh on the website, hoping you're going to see it. Um, we will have an announcement about when those tickets will go on sale. Indeed. So hopefully you won't be surprised by that. You'll just have to keep hitting refresh to see if the site's back online. But even after saying all that, you should still ask Gus constantly in his personal comments when the tickets are going <laughs> yeah. on sale, and you should constantly ask me on Twitter and in my personal comments, are we making any more Red vs. <laughs> <laughs> constantly. Uh, you know what i got to say, though? i got to say about mentioning Twitter and people who hate things that other people like, this has been a really, really hard month for me on Twitter. Did I just unplug us? I don't think so. I just kicked a whole bunch of stuff. This has been a hard month for me on Twitter because we had the Golden Globes, we had the Super Bowl, and we had the Grammys. And uh, what I've learned is that apparently I follow people on Twitter who take time out of their personal life to watch stuff that they hate. <laughs> because all three of those events, my Twitter feed just turned into one gigantic snark fest. Of like, <laughs> the Super Bowl was one of the worst. It was like, if I knew these people and I had, they were at my Super Bowl party, I would go to them and say, will you please leave? You're just – you're constantly shouting snarky fucking comments. Nobody gives a shit. We're here to watch the Super Bowl. We're having a good time. Just, just don't be here. Just go do something else, whatever yeah. you want to do. Likewise, I didn't watch the Grammys and I didn't watch the Golden Globes because I don't give a shit. If you don't give a shit, don't watch the fucking Golden Globes. Don't do it. People are, like, tortured there's on enough, Twitter. There's enough other stuff going on in the world. Take up your time. And speaking of that, we have not mentioned yet. Yeah, thank you. I'm before glad. we sign off, uh, Madman Mo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had a really cool thing that came up uh, on the website. Um, one of our users, Madman Mo, who is it lives in Constantinople, now Tripoli, in Libya. That's, that's an old reference. You know that, it's right? Con- you're, you're, you're Constantinople. I thought it was, that was. Uh, no, and I thought it was Constantinople. I know now Tripoli, right? No, that's. Uh, I thought it was Istanbul. That's Istanbul. No, oh, not Constantinople. Yeah, Tripoli on the shores of Tripoli. Tripoli's always been Tripoli. Even old New York. Go on. So, so they might be giant song. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, so we have a user on the site. His name is Madman Mo, and he lives in Tripoli, uh, in Libya. And he discovered during these protests that are going on right now in, in, in Libya, he discovered that one of the only social networks that wasn't blocked by the government that he could reach was the Rooster Teeth site. And so he's – and Vimeo uh, for video uh, blogging. So he started posting this running live blogging account of what was going on in his city in Libya. It was, it was pretty riveting. And he was taking video of like being in a hallway while people are outside the building shooting and he's running through a courtyard. It was it was pretty nuts. Yeah, it was pretty nuts. And uh, so we were trying to get the word out as much as we could without giving too much information because, A, we didn't want us to show up in search terms and then be blocked by the government. And he actually had a period where he didn't blog for about nine hours, which I got really worried about. Um, so if uh, if you're interested, you should go to Rushi.com and, and visit Madman Mo, yes, M-O-E yeah. at the We'll end. definitely link it in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you can always go to my profile and look on the journal there and see. Yeah. And he, he's still blogging right now, and I, I hope he and his family stay very safe. during it's a tough situation over there right yeah. now. Um, they, they bombed with jet fighters. They bombed protesters. Yeah. And, and, a, and uh, Gaddafi of, comes on national TV and is telling – Telling everyone basically the people who are protesting are cockroaches and they should be squashed. Yeah. And he's like yeah. telling people to go out and like hurt yeah. them essentially. Yeah, it's crazy. He, he ranted for like an hour yesterday on state TV and it was just – guy's nuts yeah. and he's in charge. So How can you be a dictator of a country and not be nuts? I yeah. mean it's just how can that happen to you? Yeah. They're the – what was the guy from uh, – was it Uganda? Um, the, they made the movie about him, Last King in Scotland. They think he literally had brain damage. Mm-hmm. Like he was literally crazy. Played like by Forrest Whitaker, right? Yes. Right. yes. In the movie? He's very sweaty. <laughs> I feel like that was <laughs> half of the performance. All right, cool. Well, let's wrap this up. So 
yeah, uh, go visit us at Cons. Follow our awesome community site. Where are we going for lunch? <laughs> I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I'm going to sit at this desk and keep working. Got a lot of stuff ahead of me. Where are we going for lunch, guys? <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. I'm, I'm going to Australia. Okay. Kangaroo Burger. Thanks, right. everybody. Thanks. See Bye. You.